With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Land Sharks After Dark, your third or fourth favorite podcast, we hope. Uh, a member of the V Sport Network, Rebel Sports Radio. Uh, I'm Justin Sanders, your host, joined by my co-host John Stefanzik. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing good, Justin. Uh, happy, happy uh, late Easter to all of our listeners, yeah, and happy Easter to you. Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, we are here again, like we are every week, to talk to you a little bit about what happened this week in Ole Miss sports. Uh, recording this in the Rebel Sports Radio studio, powered by uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Mississippi. Um, and I'm not going to say we have a ton to talk about, but, uh, there's definitely some topics we're going to hit on today. We're talking about baseball. Uh, there was some football recruiting going on. Uh, Ole Miss actually got a commit, John, from a, a four-star defensive end that looked pretty good. I think we forgot to talk about that in the lead up, but, um, what is it? Uh, his name's escaping me here. Willie, you know what I'm talking about? I'm blanking Charles on Wiley. Name. Sorry. I Charles remember now. Wiley. Charles Wiley. Yeah. Defensive end from Georgia, I believe. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the NCAA tournament. Kentucky has lost, um, devastating loss for the SEC. Not really, but uh, it would have been cool to see Kentucky go undefeated. Um, but it appears it's not to be. But Ole Miss did play some baseball this week. Uh, started out with a win in the midweek, kind of define what we predicted, John. Uh, beat Memphis in Memphis. Um in the in the Wednesday game, not something that I would say Mike Bianco is prone to do, but in the season like this, it's kind of different. And um, I think that was really the story of the Memphis game last Wednesday. Wyatt Short and Scott Weathersby, Ole Miss's two best bullpen arms, both pitched. Uh, not something you normally see out of Bianco in the midweek, but like we talked about last week, this team has to get to 500 if they want to make it to the postseason. And uh, I think we're going to see Bianco put a lot more effort into these midweek games. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we we nailed it. We talked not necessarily nailed it, but we <laughs> discussed it last week about how, with given the record and the record and the slate of games going forward in the midweek part of the schedule, I mean, they, I mean, Bianco has to play every game all out because wins are at a premium right now. He's got a, I mean, as we've mentioned, he's got a team with two good frontline starters, two reliable bullpen arms, and then a lot of hit and miss beyond that, including both offensively and defensively, and we saw. Kind of the good and the bad of that th- throughout the week with Ole Miss baseball, but with the Memphis game, they fell down three zero and they put together thirteen hits and rallied and came back and won the game, which was encouraging to see. You were, you know, I mean, certainly after that result, you would think it's a Memphis team that went into the game seventeen and six and normally is is normally a pretty good club and they play Ole Miss exceptionally well as we all know too well, but. I mean, the, we saw Bianco go to Weathersby and Short on a if it's check if it's Tuesday or Wednesday night there in AutoZone Park. Oh, but he went and I mean he played it to win for sure. So he's and he's had to go to. I mean the story really is the fact that they are able to manage some offense, 
get a win over Memphis, which is a rarity for this program. As sad as well, not it's not sad. It's just that it's just it's that not way, It's not something it's, that Biko cares about. Exactly. Yeah, midweek games typically it's a way it's it's a work in your bullpen bullpen, but the way this season's gone, I can't treat them that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, we saw, I mean, Evan Anderson, Drake Robeson, and Matt Denny all pitched before whether it's being short on, on Wednesday night. It's, it would be nice if one or, or, or a couple of those guys would be able to come in and give them quality, some quality innings, even during the midweek, just to save the pitch count for whether it's being short for the, throughout the rest of the year. I mean, I think given the fact they have to pitch, I mean, if they're going to have to pitch whether it's being short on mid, midweek games the rest of the year, you have to really get, be concerned about fatigue at some point where they get here maybe right. three, four weeks from now and they're just shot with with not, with not three conference series left. And when they really need if they if they're at a spot where they could maybe put a run together to squeak into the NCAA tournament, they just simply don't have the, the strength and number of arms to do so. Right. So, like we mentioned, uh, Short and Weathersby got up on Wednesday night um, and they were both called on again in the weekend series uh, when Ole Miss hosted Tennessee – Started out pretty well, kind of maybe riding some offensive momentum from that that win against Memphis. Uh, got in a bit of a jam late, but ended up winning game one, ten to seven. Um, uh, Trent had a good night, a uh, little middle relief. I forget who came in, but then Short had to come in and close it uh, as Ole Miss was up ten to five, headed into the uh, the ninth inning. Obviously, Bianco was trying to preserve some of that bullpen um, to shore up, especially at the Sunday pitching, which hasn't been great this year. Uh, and Tennessee loaded the bases with no outs, and Short had to come in to get out of the game. But but Ole Miss held on, uh, and then went on to lose game two. Uh, Bramlett's pitching wasn't bad, just didn't get any offensive production. Kind of been the story of the season so far for Ole Miss. Also, John, the defense was fairly sloppy this weekend. Uh, something that we've seen seen in other series certainly, but uh, it continues to be a problem for the for the Rebels, certainly. Um, and then on Sunday, the the rubber match uh, got a good start out of Will Stokes, but in the end, uh, still just couldn't get any hitting going. Only scored two runs um, against the third best pitcher on a team like Tennessee. You know that's really not what you can ask your offense to do if you want to win a series. Um, lose that game four to two, and lose a series that was really a, a must win for Ole Miss if they wanted to kind of have any sort of an argument left for seeding or anything like that. Now they're basically just surviving to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're going to have to fight every day. They're at 16 and 16. Obviously 500 uh, on your overall record is the minimum to get into the NCAA tournament. So every midweek game is going to be a struggle moving forward. Um, and every SEC series is, uh, if you get swept, that's not helping the calls. You know, that's that's a couple, a couple sweeps and you're, you're looking at uh, no postseason at all. But uh, did you watch any baseball this weekend, John? What did you take away from the games? I, I followed it pretty closely. I actually watched probably about two innings myself, and it was it was interesting. The two innings I watched, I think it was, was it the fourth inning Saturday where Golson committed a pretty hideous error, mm-hmm. and then Brady Brant. Then I, I texted you about it, and Brady and you go, "Oh, Brady Brant just needs a challenge." And then Brady throws it over Sykes's head, and I was going, right. oh, "Yeah, no bad there, news." So many errors. I think there were, there were two in that game. It was bad. Yeah, for two three, in that game. yeah, two, yeah, yeah that three was terrible. overall. So, yeah, I mean, essentially, you bring up errors. They had two against Memphis on Wednesday night. Played a clean game defensively on Saturday, which is becoming a rarity for this team. They, yeah. they are not, they're not very sound defensively, which is a real problem given their offensive struggles. But 
Yes, after seeing the result Friday night where Trent was rocked a little bit early but settled down, that's really Christian Trent's, to me, his best quality as a starting pitcher. Is he will, he, He'll give up a couple runs early but then settle down and put up zeros. And the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth innings where he gave you four scoreless innings and settled into the game, those are key as far as preserving the bullpen and then settling the team down and letting them work their way back into the game and ultimately come back and win. So after Friday, they've scored 17 runs in two games. They appear to have they've a couple comebacks. You see some offensive confidence from this team. I was thinking at that point, given the fact they have to go play a number one Vanderbilt in Nashville next week, and they was it Southern and Pearl, I believe, is a midweek game. Yeah, they, tomorrow, yeah. I was really hoping they would get, get, get on a run and, and sweep the week, which I felt was quite doable against a Tennessee team that is not that good. Let's just be – Blown about this here, although was it Christian Stewart, their left fielder, he had a great weekend. I, yeah. Props to him for coming in at Oxford, hitting the baseball. But Saturday, we saw Bramlett um, pitched okay, and he's, it probably wasn't his best start of the year, but he was still, I mean, if Ole Miss can just be cleaner defensively and put some hits together, I mean, they had a good enough performance from Bramlett to, uh, to win that game, but they were unable to, to calm down and do so. But even after that, I mean, Bramble's not going to win every Saturday. You know that. They had been able to preserve Weathersby until Sunday, which, although they had, they, you mentioned you, you mentioned at the top of this, this segment how um, they had to get Weathersby in short hot on Friday night and bring Wyatt into the ninth inning of a 10-5 game, which was really, those st- little details like that, given, how, given the limited depth of this team, once again, those are issues. I mean, they, right. they need either Robeson, or John Wesley Ray, or Matt Denny, which I, I'll go, I'll, I'll jump on Matt Denny a little bit here. He's a senior. He's got to be able to go in and do, give him some mop-up duty like that. But mm-hmm. he had a 12.2 ERA this far this year, and really has been, he's had a disappointing senior campaign. So they've it's just further stressed the, uh, the limited number of quality arms they have. But regardless, you go into Sunday thinking, well, Stokes, is this is his third start getting better and really Stokes I thought pitched pretty well gave him five and two-thirds innings which is the best Sunday performance they've gotten all year I think with the exception of Sam against Central Florida but we Sam didn't even pitch this week so we we need to go figure out he I mean did he not th- did he not get um some innings against Memphis he did not he's not on the stat sheet I, th- I think he's wow is he hurt is he hurt again my guess is he never fully recovered from the sports hernia. That, or it's just such a mental thing, which is unfortunate. Because Sam's been a, he's been a, he's been an asset to the program his whole career. And to see is a, see it in like this, it's a little bit of like Jarvis Summers mid-year basketball syndrome. Yeah. With Sam right now, which it's a is good parallel. It's hard to, it's hard to watch a kid that's given so much and been a good, been a, been a fan favorite. Sure go out like this but regardless but the problem i mean Ole Miss only had four hits on sunday which is really yeah you can't do that that is that is just that's you can't win the sec doing that and now they're they're back to 500 overall five and seven overall in the conference as i mentioned just mentioned they're going to vanderbilt this week and they it, it's really impossible to ask them to win a series there i mean if they could right if either Trent or Brown went one of the first two games, if they could squeak out some maybe a three-two win or a, a two-one game and just get a game there, it'd be acceptable. And they they really they really need to beat Southern because they, I mean, from just a pure metric standpoint, you do not want the record to fall below five hundred. 
and your conference record. If, if you take a game of it, because Vanderbilt, your conference record's at six and nine, you need to get to at least fourteen to be in the hunting for uh, for the SEC for well for the, for the SEC tournament and for the NCAA tournament. So they've right. they are they're walking a fine line right now. It'll be interesting to see if, if they can build from the positives of the of their Memphis games and their Friday night against Tennessee, or are they or are these inconsistencies going to plague the team all year? Right, and you, and you kind of heard that from Bianco um, over the course of the weekend, too. He was encouraged by the offense against Memphis, and I think on Friday night, too. And then uh, he kind of characterized it as a return to form for the team on Saturday and Sunday, kind of what they have been all year. Um, and, you know, it's we've we've touched on it so many times this season. Um, it's, 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 there's going to be a drop-off after last year. You just you lost too much. There was way too much talent on that team that is gone uh, from that roster for you to just bounce back in one year. Obviously, as an Ole Miss baseball fan, the future is bright. Have a good program. Have a good coach. He knows what he's doing. Uh, If you look at Bianco's overall record and years in the past, I mean, he's not going to have two bad seasons in a row. It hasn't happened historically. Um, And I'm encouraged by the freshmen on the team. We have a lot of great talent in Watson, Golson. I think Blackman will turn out to be a really good player. Uh, Stokes is obviously great on the mound. Um, some other guys are going to develop. So, I mean, you got to be rational about it. You can't go to Omaha every season. I mean, Ole Miss went for the first time last year since the 70s. So, you know, it is what it is. As you mentioned, John, uh, Ole Miss will travel to Nashville this weekend, uh, have another one of those Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday series. I think the Thursday night game is on the SEC Network. Um I did skip over the game tomorrow night against Southern Miss, which um, is a big game. Uh, non-conference games are going to be really important for Ole Miss down the stretch. Uh, and I'm actually going to be at that game, John, um, at Trustmark Park. So hopefully, well, I don't know if I'll say hopefully, but I guess I will probably get to see either uh, Wyatt Short or Scott Weathersby at some point. I'm guessing Anderson's going to get the start. So I'll report back how that goes. Usually... Not good. Last year when I went, um, I got taunted by some Southern Miss fans after they beat us. And uh, I think they told me that, that they were going to Omaha. So joke was on them in the end because obviously Ole Miss was the team that ended up going to Omaha of the two. But uh, still, generally not too fun to be an Ole Miss fan at a midweek game like that in Jackson in a town that has a lot more Southern Miss and Mississippi State fans. But, you know, you got to do it. And maybe this year I'll actually get to see a win against Southern Miss, which would be fun after the losses we've seen the last couple of years. Um, the Vandy series is going to be next to impossible. I mean, you try to steal a game, right? That's the me- the best you could hope for is that you get hot either either Thursday or Friday night and get a win behind Trent or, or Bramlett. Because, I mean, Vanderbilt's so good in every phase of the game. Really deep bullpen, uh, great batting, and uh, I don't know about their defense specifically, but I assume it's not too shabby. They are the number one team in the country. Um... But, I mean, that's about it for baseball. 16-16, and 5-7 and seven in the SEC. I think that puts them around the middle of the pack in the SEC, John. Um, I mean, there's a lot of parity in the league, obviously. Schedules aren't really going to get any easier. Um, but they're going to keep fighting, and I guess we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some football recruiting and uh, get into a couple other topics. Just stay with us. I want to take this opportunity really quickly to talk to you guys about something that you know I'm passionate about because I've been talking about it for the last two weeks here on the podcast and other places. And that, of course, 
is DraftKings.com, uh, one of our great partners on the Vsporto Network and Rebel Sports Radio. I don't know if you've ever done DraftKings, but uh, it's a one-day fantasy website. You can start a fantasy league every day. You don't get locked in with your roster. You don't have to worry about a draft, anything like that. Uh, it starts over every day. You can play football, basketball, baseball, golf, uh, whatever you want. I'm sure they have sumo wrestling, horse racing. I'm not sure of this. When I say I'm sure, I don't mean that at all. But uh, you can probably find something on there that you're interested in. Uh, you can start as little as $1. Like I said, there's no commitments. Um, and, you know, if you use our promo code, which is VSPORTO, you can get a 100% match deposit on your first uh, deposit up to $600. It's a great deal. Uh, and this year, DraftKings is going to dish out over a billion dollar in pri- a billion dollars in prizes. So uh, get your piece of that. Start playing the day and start winning. Um, you know, it's definitely something that I'm interested in doing, although I haven't yet. John, you ever done a, a one-day fantasy league? I don't know. I have not, but I've heard I've heard DraftKings on a lot of the different uh, regional and national podcasts I've done. They're advertising a lot, so it's really I feel kind of honored that our podcast has made their ad list somehow. Right. So that's that's the kind of quality programming you're getting, guys. Here on Rebel Sports Radio, we partner with the big names. Uh, we do it for you, the listener. We're gonna move now, talking about some football recruiting. Uh, just this last weekend, Ole Miss quarterback of the future and savior of our football program, Shay the Man Patterson, uh, was at a quarterback camp with the best in the country. It's called Flight School. I think they were in Atlanta. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I, that's right. Yeah, he was there with uh, Jacob Eason, the Georgia commit, who is um, the other Top Gun quarterback, at least as far as the rivals' rankings are concerned. Um, Eason's a little bit ahead of Patterson right now. Isn't that kind of weird, John? I think it's so weird that uh, a quarterback like Jason Eason, Jacob Eason, is committed to Georgia. Yeah, he's from Washington State, I believe. Right, he is. But no, I mean, I mean, Mark Rick's a good guy. George, Athens is a fun place. I mean, you can, it's easy to see somebody walk into Georgia and really fall in love with it. Now, how how, how, yeah, how does it, it fit in? an elite quarterback? Though is the question, right? Yeah, Aaron Murray went there and had a that's I true. Mean, he, he had a great career, yeah. And I mean, and Rick, I mean, they they have talent at Georgia. They always find a way to win. To, they find a way. Excuse me, not win the big game, lose the big game. <laughs> they get to the big game at least. They they stub their toe more than anybody. But perhaps Jacob Eason can be the guy that yeah. takes them beyond that. Although hopefully it's not against Ole Miss if they if they were to make it to Atlanta, right? Yeah, twenty eighteen SEC title game, Ole Miss Georgia have Eason. Jacob Eason, Shea Patterson. Wow, that's that a, be, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's that's good looking ahead right there, John. Um, but uh, so they're at this camp in Atlanta. Some other elite prospects there. Patterson looked really good. Um, had a great interview where he talked about uh, how he's recruiting other elite players to come to Ole Miss. Uh, Devin White. Uh, the kind of combo running back, linebacker, Willie Allen, the offensive tackle. He mentioned Mikel Jones, the wide receiver. Uh, kind of what he said, John, maybe we're reading too far into this, but the way he phrased it in the moment was that uh, Devin White is, quote-unquote, going to be a big get for us. Um, so that would obviously be huge for Ole Miss. Uh, White's a, a player that's been compared to Bo Jackson, kind of um, just a crazy athlete, huge physical player. Um, but then Patterson went on to say that Willie Allen was his number one priority. And obviously, like we talked about before the show, John, uh, Ole Miss needs offensive line recruits. And we're not sure the coaches can get them on their own. So maybe Shea Patterson's the answer to recruiting the uh, the OL. What do you think? 
Yeah, because he's going to need a left tackle. Laramie's gone, and there's no obvious substitute. He's got right Liggins. Now. He's got Jeremy Liggins, baby. Well, you know, Big Lig could actually. It wouldn't shock. Give him another year. It wouldn't shock me if he was a solid SEC left tackle. He's, he's athletic enough, but that would be potentially <laughs> next year. Right. So Shea Shea smart to go. I need my own left tackle. Willie Allen could be that guy. He is from Southern Louisiana, New Orleans area, which right. is always an interesting, tough to, place to go into, um, especially with LSU's presence down there. Devin White is from the Louisiana-Arkansas border, basically in no man's land as far as recruiting. So that is, if you're given his relationship with Shea Patterson, if you're Ole Miss, you, you're feeling great about it. And I mean, just to, from a physical standpoint, Devin White's six one, two hundred fifty pounds. He's a uh, he's an athlete. Play play you the middle linebacker or running back. Ole Miss doesn't have a they do not have a Mike linebacker that size, nor do they have a running back that size. So he right. he could play both ways, like Miles Jack out of UCLA. If they really wanted to get oh, creative, man, that would be sweet. But regardless, he is a he fits a need so bad on this roster that it is um, he we we need Devin White and we need Willie Allen too because absolutely they are but they are they're the, probably the second second and third most important recruits in this class from a necessity standpoint. Well, you know, DK. yeah, I was about to say D, DK Metcalf. It's, this is a good problem to have to prioritize which one of those is more important right, than the other because they're all they're all elite prospects. Exactly, so they'll. They're in really good shape to fill the holes they're going to have next year, so it'll be interesting to follow that and, and see how it unfolds for sure. Absolutely. So obviously here on the podcast we do a lot of speculation. Uh, we read social media posts because that is what we have. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about some Willie Allen tweets this week. Um, he's tweeting about how he knows where he's going to commit already. You know, Who knows if he's being honest about that, but it's somewhere he's been a fan of a long time. Um, he said he's going to be loyal to whatever school he commits to. He's not going to decommit. Um, and then he also said, kind of, who knows if it's related or not, that he has people in his family that attended Ole Miss. Um, all this was said in the last couple of days on Twitter by Allen. So to me, John, that sounds like a couple of schools jump out, LSU and Alabama, um, as schools that maybe Willie Allen could have grown up being a fan of. But I think Ole Miss is definitely in the running as well from what he's tweeted. Uh, he talks about talking to Shea Patterson all the time. He said they were FaceTiming the other night. Um, so Ole Miss is definitely in the conversation for Allen. I'm not sure when he's actually going to commit. He said December at one point, so making waiting a long time. But you know how these kids get. They get anxious, and they, uh, I don't know. Not saying that if he was to commit, he wouldn't decommit. But um, some interesting chatter coming out of Allen on Twitter for sure. Um, trying to think what else recruiting. We do not have any news on Malik Newman. Uh, still, you know, anywhere in the next six weeks, really. Um, on his decision, uh, nothing really came out about that at all this week. Um, yeah, yeah, they had the uh, McDonald's All American game right. in Chicago, and they had a round of national interviews, and Malik was naming different schools. There's really nothing new and substantial to report. I don't. Nobody really has a good sense where he's going. Even once again after this week and then that and the right. McDonald's game, I, but he he hasn't led anybody on to my knowledge or anything. I give credit to the way he and Horatio Webster have handled the recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, it's Ole Miss. We'll see. Obviously, if 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 Ole Miss lands him, it changes the it completely changes the basketball program. Absolutely, the way it's perceived, and it really. 
I mean, the one thing holding Andy Kennedy back is getting that one big time player to commit where you can build off of, build from there. And he is obviously, I mean, Malik Newman would be that guy. It would take, it would solve, it would essentially solve all of AK's problems in one, one signature. But right, you need the point guard. You need the points. You need the NBA presence. I mean, basically, Andy Kennedy's put a lot of his eggs in this basket. Yes, he has. Note that uh, Rod Lawrence has been granted his uh, release right. to transfer from the program, which is a, which is a, which is, he was one of the many JUCO guys brought in last year. Essentially, he spent one year in Oxford, couldn't find playing time, and has left. I would assume that would, I guess that means JT Escobar is most likely going to sign with Ole Miss. The rumor had been that he was kind of going to be the swing guy if Malik had decided to come, but perhaps Lawrence leaving opens up a spot as well where they could both they could both potentially come if. Malik Warder choose to come right. And I think Andy's still recruiting uh, a, a post player, too. I know he's on Ray Kasongo. Um, he's a player in Iowa, Idaho, Iowa, maybe. States after him real hard, too. Howland wants him. Uh, supposedly, he's somewhat friends with Newman. Uh, I think he's a three-star power forward. Um, so yeah, it, it, obviously did we talk last time about the new, the point guard that, uh, that Kennedy signed? I believe we did. I believe we mentioned him. Yeah, and so that. obviously he's got a Juco point guard coming in. Like you said, probably JT Escobar, several more guards still would love to get, um, a larger player to play down low. Like I just mentioned. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be following that. Obviously, uh, spring football wise, Ole Miss has the Grove bowl coming up on Saturday. Um, as we've mentioned before, probably not much of a scrimmage, probably more of a open practice with some sort of an oblique scoring system that uh, doesn't really make sense. But it will be televised, I am assuming, on Watch ESPN. Um, that's how they normally do things. SEC Network Plus, probably, actually. Now yeah, I, that. I would hope so. I want to watch Chad Kelly throw I think it, I think it will seven be. Drills. Yeah, it so, should be on SC Network Plus. Yeah, it's interesting. The one, the latest media opportunity people had were the scuttlebutt was Buchanan had a really good day, which mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, 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 I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Freeze is Freeze is tied is limited the media so much this spring, in large part to to make it to where nobody can really get a sense for who the quarterback's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's mo- it's going to be Chad Kelly, I think, because they brought him in to play here. He, he has, has he has tools. The others he don't has have, t- as far precisely. As strength, right? um, I think a lot of the message to the media, and this is this is getting into controlling the media and all of that. But it's the way programs work these days in 2015. Essentially, they want everybody to be perceived in a level playing field. Freeze is trying to keep all three quarterbacks from tr- keep any keep them all happy enough to where nobody transfers this summer. He's basically essentially trying to maintain depth. So if Buchanan or Kincaid most likely were to lose the job and want to transfer, they would do so after this fall as opposed to during the summer. And if you freeze, you're you're much you're fine with that because obviously Shea's coming in, and then you yeah you're Pellerin yeah Pellerin gets a year as a precisely year. exactly your, your depth kind of comes in after this year, uh, but right you really don't want to lose Kincaid or Buchanan this off season. Uh, just because of the possibility of injury next season, um, but yeah, definitely quarterbacks will be something big to watch in the Grove Bowl. Yeah, and one more quick note. Yeah, go too. ahead. Go ahead. I'm not. Yeah. What are you saying, John? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say Kendrick Kendrick Doss has been moved to safety. He ah, was the quarterback yeah. in last year's class, so that is a from a depth perspective. They would to have three deep. They would need it'd be Kincaid, be Cannon, and Kelly. So that's another good point. Honor variable there. But Freeze Freeze has said that Liggins will probably play some short yardage quarterback. Although apparently he's working out pretty well at left tackle, um, getting a ton of reps. As obviously the OL is pretty depleted right now by injury. Um, I think we we pretty much talked about all the rest of the spring storylines um, on the podcast last week. Uh, Laquan Treble's recovery is continuing pretty well. ESPN did a big story on it last week. Um, got an interview with Laramie Tunzel for the first time since his injury. He uh, was pretty um, pretty fun in that one, John, saying something about – he was asked about if he's still worried about being the number one overall pick after his injury – and his quote was, I'll just have to get out there and show everybody who the number one pick's going to be. So you got to love that attitude coming back from injury. He's, I can't wait to watch him just road grade people this fall. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully there's a couple, at least a couple other line, people or colleagues of his on the line that can do the same. So Absolutely. that will be interesting to watch. So as we wrap up here, Justin, um, Kentucky lost Saturday night, which I kind of I had forgotten until right before this podcast. There's even a national championship game tonight. Now, obviously, most of you, yeah, pretty much everybody's going to listen to this, will have already watched the Duke Wisconsin game. I I personally like to see Wisconsin win. I like the fact they have a bunch of senior players that have been there multiple years, which is a rarity in today's college game. But going back to the Saturday night game is Kentucky. I thought I watched the second entire second half of that game. Um, I'm blanking. Carl Anthony Towns, the Kentucky right. big man down low. He right. and Lyles were they, they were doing they, work. Yeah, they were doing work. They looked like they were going to win that game about six to eight. And then Calipari for I thought I thought I believe is Bill Rafferty, commentator for C, uh, or TBS, I guess now actually yeah. they do final four on cable. Rafferty nailed it. Calipari went last five minutes of the game went to that. Uh, one by four set where basically he put I forget which Harrison twin up top and said here you're going to take our shots for us which makes no sense it was when very you have weird, yeah. an, an equal or superior athlete at every position so Calipari is a great recruiter he's a great motivator great camaraderie guy average X and O's coach and it showed up and it cost him a national title yeah I mean I thought he really failed to uh, take advantage of his talent at the end of that game um, weren't really doing anything offensively. They were getting a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, guys like um, Booker, I think is who I'm trying to think of, the shooter. Uh, is that yeah? He's he he was in a little foul trouble. Um, Whichever McDonald's All American, that's hard to go. <laughs> well, yeah, all of them. Right? I'll tell you the last five. Go ahead. The other thing about the end of that game was uh, it, Kentucky looked like they weren't playing Wisconsin. They were playing the the, the don't playing the I guess the idea of losing and that right clearly hampered their ability to execute down the stretch. Kaminsky just hit his first three, by the way, John. Three to two, Wisconsin. There we go, live updates. Yeah, no, Kaminsky is insane with that six foot eleven taking three point shots. I don't know how you defend against that. Like it's just silly. Oh I don't know. He remind he as a Dallas Maverick fan, he reminds Dirk Nowitzki. So Absolutely. he can definitely he, he should have a solid uh, NBA career. I don't know if he's gonna reach dark level but he has He'll a role somewhere yeah the, who do you, who, who do you think wins this game it is since we we've proven that we are uh, not i think it's going to be wisconsin um i don't know duke's good but wisconsin plays way more discipline than if wisconsin can play well enough to get in the heads of kentucky and beat them i think that they should be able to beat duke but we'll see okafor is really good and, and decker's good too 
Um, obviously, you, the listeners, have the advantage of knowing what happened to that game, so you're, you're smarter than us. We apologize for that. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, John, before we, we wrap on this shortened version of the podcast tonight, uh, did you see Andrew Harrison in that press conference after they lost? The, uh, the hot microphone faux pas? Okay, I can't figure out what's funnier. The fact that what he said, which, well, <laughs> it's not... It's not literally funny, but watching <laughs> what watching journalists of different races break that down and analyze it on Twitter and afterwards. The aftermath was quite entertaining. So, right, everybody trying to turn it I'm into something. Really- <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was hilarious that he thought he could cover up his mouth and nobody would know. <laughs> like that, I think he didn't realize that you could hear him on the mic, but just the idea that. Even if you could hear him, it'd be okay. It was so clear. Like, those mics are, are so sensitive. Um, it, it was pretty funny, though. Funny moment. Uh, he said he apologized to to, Her- to uh, Kaminsky, all of that, obviously. You can look that video up. We can't quote Andrew Harrison on this podcast, of course, as we this is a family broadcast. But uh, on another a sad note before we close, though, uh, since our last show, uh, Dan Jones did announce publicly that he was not going to accept the deal from the IHL that would have granted him additional 21 months of employment uh, under the condition that he stepped out at the end of that term. Um, and also, he was required to give a public apology, which we mentioned last week is just absolutely ludicrous. So um, I applaud Chancellor Jones for everything he's done for the university and for not bowing to the ridiculous pressure from the IHL. Obviously, still pretty upset with the way the whole thing went down. I'm interested to see who comes up in the search for Ole Miss's next chancellor. Um, it's going to be hard to replace, you know, what Dan Jones has done. But uh, all all heat and attention on the IHL now again. I mean, you know, they, they've they screwed this up pretty bad. Um, now it's up to them to pick who the next person is going to be. And if it's someone that looks just to be a complete puppet, uh, shame on them, you know. Um, well, hey, Justin, they're yeah, going to cut. They're going to conduct a national search. They told everybody, and they're going to get input from <laughs> alumni and students and all Archie, kinds of Archie advice from it. different people. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> let Archie and uh, who's who's the FedEx guy? Mike Glennon. Yeah, Is Mike Glennon. Mike Archie. Glenn? If they pick two freeze, they can pick the next chancellor. There we go, and they pick Ross Bjork too. They exactly. they have a pretty good hiring record, really. Is Archie Manning? Then FedEx is there for the financial support. So right. So I mean. Um, number one priority is to try to make those big name Ole Miss supporters less pissed off uh, if you're the IHL. So hopefully they won't uh, do anything monumentally stupid to keep hurting the donations coming in for Ole Miss. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about this week, John? I think we, we previewed the baseball games coming up. Got the Grove Bowl on Saturday. I think we covered everything. What do you think? Nope, that's about it. We will we'll, we'll look around and try. We got we got a couple options for people to come on next week. Talk about that we're uh, attend the spring game. Give us some feedback from yeah, should be uh, good. What we see in person, we ought, we ought to have some content on that. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, hopefully we'll get a guest on for you next week to talk about the spring game. Um, I want to do another thing, John, where I want to look at uh, some the past ten years the the rivals quarterback rankings and kind of see how they turn out in the long run, and then we can talk a little bit about Shea Patterson. So. Hopefully we'll be doing some of that as the spring continues. Obviously we're in kind of the slow period here for college athletics, but uh, these stories seem to present themselves to us. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rebel Sports Radio. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SharksAFTRDarks. You can find episodes of our podcast on our website, LandSharksAfterDark.com, or on iTunes, as well as on the Rebel Sports Radio app, which is honestly a great app, guys. I suggest you get it. Um, but, but thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.